Welcome to Sports Weekly with Ayaz Memon. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of Sports Weekly with Ayaz Memon. As always, we've got a very action-packed episode for you. We'll start with a look at the Ashes, the second test. We'll have a quick preview of the India-South Africa first test coming up on Boxing Day. There's much to celebrate from the world of badminton for India. And there's some celebration hopefully coming up in the world of hockey. So without further ado, here's Ayaz Memon. Thank you, Mr. Fantastic. Always such a pleasure to be on the show. And as you mentioned, I think we've had uh, some very good cricket action down under. Not, not if you're an English fan. But uh, otherwise, I think just to see the Aussies back uh, at their snarling best is always a good uh, good sight to to see. And then, of course, we've got the big match coming up. India versus South Africa starting Boxing Day. In many ways, such a crucial series uh, for Virat Kohli as captain, as batsman, and perhaps, uh, you know, future of his test captaincy also. You know, it's not that he's just lost the white ball captaincy, which is, of course, has been done. Uh, but test ball captaincy, if you don't win uh, against a fairly, I would say, fairly weak South African batting side, then there will be questions raised again. So I think this, this is going to be a very compelling and daunting uh, three or four weeks for, or, or six weeks for uh, Virat Kohli as a batsman, certainly because he has to come out of the lean trot that he's been experiencing and then also lead his team to win. Absolutely. Before we go there, let's have a quick chat about Ashes. And uh, after everything that was said and touted, uh, especially about maybe the Aussies looking underprepared, it looks like the English are absolutely unprepared. It's look, it looks like some of them have never played cricket before. <laughs> I don't think it's unprepared. I think they're just a very mediocre side. I mean, I hate to say this, uh, and especially when they are out of their own comfort zone. So when they are in India, I mean, they won a test match, but they lost the next three so miserably that you realize that the first victory was an aberration. And even in Australia, they've just been, they've just succumbed so, you know, without a fight. And that's, that's distressing because the Ashes has been built up as the greatest contest in, 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 in cricket, at least in the five day format, but it's not living up to its top billing. And that's largely because England are looking not undercooked, but just completely bereft of, uh, of talent to last in a five day match. I mean, you take away a Joe Root from this team and frankly, you're left with nothing. Uh, much has been made, of course, of using James Anderson and Stuart Broad, you know, in, uh, by a rotational policy to keep them fit for all the matches, which is fair enough. But if the other bowlers are not good enough to take wickets, then what is the point in having Anderson and Broad in the test squad and not bowling, sitting on the on the on the sidelines in the dressing room? It just, just doesn't make sense to me. So you take bowlers for a five-test series Ashes. And you're, they're your best bowlers with 1,150 wickets odd. Uh, and they're not bowling because they're being rested. You know, it just seems to me to be completely misplaced priorities. Having said that, let's give credit where it's due. I think the Aussies have been absolutely marvellous in batting, in bowling, in fielding. The number of catches England have dropped is not funny. Josh Butler behind the wicket has dropped many catches. You know, I mean, so it's just not, nothing is going England's way. They don't have a spinner in the match against uh, at Adelaide and in on the lights where Nathan Lyon picks up six wickets in the match. I mean, I don't know what the hell is happening with the England policies, team selection. You know, all of that is going wrong. Yeah, speaking of spinners, there was a period when Ollie Robinson decided to bowl off spin and he, has, he wasn't too bad. Uh, but England's main spinner seems like it's Joe Root. <laughs> yeah, he is, he's not a bad spinner, but he's a backup spinner. You know, he's somebody who can turn his arm over for seven, eight, ten overs. And if it's a real... 
vicious turning track than somebody like Joe Root who lands the ball at the right length and right, right line. He, he doesn't need to turn the ball if the pitch is bad. You know, Ollie Robinson, you mentioned his bowling off spinners reminded me of Balvinder Singh Sandhu and Kapil Dev who bowled a little bit of you know, off-spin and cutters when the West Indies were here in 1983-84. This is after the World Cup victory and they were thrashing us. You know, I think couple they realized he was also the captain that if you bowl fast or fast medium on the absolute pata tracks in India, the ball will go faster than it has come after it's been hit by Richards, Greenwich and Haynes. So they started bowling off-spin. Not that it was much help because India lost all five matches in that series. But, you know, I can understand if you've had ill luck you know, if the wicket is, you know, just not helping your kind of bowlers. I, I think you know, Mark Wood is the only bowler in the English team who bowls at 145, sometimes 150, consistently high pace. He's not played in this match, in the in the second match. Chris Wokes, who's not looking effective as a bowler at all. Yes, he can bat a bit, but do you need him as an all-rounder? Primarily as a batting all-rounder or do you need him as a bowling all-rounder? So those are things that England have just not been able to find answers for and of course the top order is a shambles apart from Joe Root. Well, speaking of how these teams have stacked up, the next three tests could be even worse for the English. Do you foresee a 5 nil whitewash? It's smelling like that, isn't it, Mr. Fantastic? I mean, look at the Aussies, even without Cummins and Josh Hazelwood, they thrashed England. I mean, yes, big resistance put up on the last day by uh, Josh Butler, uh, you know, and playing a very uncharacteristic knock. Uh, ben Stokes. I mean, these guys are not, they are naturally attacking batsmen and they're ending up being stonewallers. And that shows you the mood in the England dressing room. Now, Australia, they had Jai Richardson and, and Nesser as replacements for Cummins and uh, Hazelwood and they both did extremely well. I think that Jai Richardson uh, may retain his place if uh, Hazelwood is still not fit. Cummins will, of course, come back and it makes the, the Aussie attack even more formidable. The batting is looking good. Smith is getting runs. Manas Labushan, I must mention, he's like a run machine, Mr. Fantastic. You know, I mean, people talk about the time, number of times he's beaten or the number of deliveries he lets go. He doesn't play. But the point is that he's not he's not being dismissed. You know, you know. So and he's got a Bradmanesque average uh, since the time he he burst on the scene in 2019. He's averaging over 60. I mean, there are two Aussies who are averaging 60 plus. One is Steve Smith, who's a veteran. The other is Manas Labushan. And they've got Travis Head, who was a very iffy selection. The choice was between him and Usman Khawaja. They went with Head, and Head has turned out to be a you know his head and shoulders above any other England England batsman barring Root. So you know, I think that David Warner is amongst the runs. Smith is scoring runs. So where there's no relief, there's no respite for England. So they've had their moments. I think in the first match, till uh, Travis Head came and smashed that absolutely brilliant. 150-plus counter-attacking knock, which turned the match around. And since then, it's just been downhill for England. Well, what is the issue with Ben Stokes? I mean, is he really ready to be a part of a series like the Ashes, given his issues and the reason for which he'd taken that extended break during the India series? Good question. I think that the answer is something that is being desperately sought by Joe Root, uh, all English fans in the dressing room. Now, you know, Ben Stokes had a long layoff. Uh, he had injuries, then he had, you know, a mental health issues. So. From the look of it, he hasn't really emerged completely, uh, you know, fresh or raring to go. He just looks so careworn and weary. It's also partly due to the fact that the English English batting is not doing anything worthwhile. So, you know, he's being used as a for longer burst with the ball than he would have himself liked because he's primarily now a batting all-rounder. So, all of it is showing up 
Ben Stokes as fairly human, in the sense, fairly normal cricketer, not the super normal cricketer that everybody imagines him to be. So, unless he turns things around dramatically, uh, I think they're going to struggle because neither the openers, you know, are, are looking good. Uh, David Milan has a, has a couple of good knocks. Joe Root is the only guy who looks to me to be test class and, uh, you know, capable of handling the Aussie pace and Nathan Lyon in Australia. The others just looking terribly short of uh, of class in an Ashes series. And we, we know the history of the Ashes. Once the Aussies, you know, get a couple of wins, then they are going for the for a whitewash. And that, that's what it's smelling like to me now. Absolutely. I mean, forget the fact that this is an Ashes in general. Coming back from a two-game deficit in a five-test series is almost impossible. And given the strength of this team, I would be very surprised if they won something and didn't lose 5-0, in fact, more importantly. And actually, this game, uh, this has come when everybody thought the Aussies were at their lowest. You know, they've had a captain who has had to vacate or he opted out. They've had a controversy. They have a new captain in place. And uh, the last time they played at home, they were beaten by an Indian, se- Indian team which was missing so many major players. So, you know, for England to kind of succumb so easily is, is extremely disappointing, I'm sure, to their fans. Absolutely. Well, two more games coming up in quick succession there. The Boxing Day Test Match and the New Year game. And things do not seem like they will turn out well. For England, it might just be a very terrible start to 2022 for them on the cricket field. Moving on to the India tour of South Africa, let's ignore all the noise around the game and focus on what India can present on field. This is probably the best opportunity for a visiting Indian team to win a series in South Africa, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Look, I mean, India have had their moments in the past in South Africa. In 2018, when Virat Kohli was captaining and uh, they won the third test after losing the first two. But one of those test matches could have gone either way. Uh, Virat was in brilliant form. The, the pace bowling attack was coming together. Uh, you know, Bhuvneshwar Kumar and Mohammad Shami and of course, above all, Jaspreet Bumrah. Bhuvneshwar since then has had to vacate the test scene and Ishant and Umesh and Siraj have come in, in his place. But... The problem, uh, and in the in the past we've had, you know, Rahul Ravid's team in 2006, if I, 2005, six, if I remember correctly, or six, seven, won a test match, lost the series 2-1. That was a close series. In 2010-11 season, uh, Dhoni was the captain. We squared the series. We didn't lose the series. But we have never won a series in South Africa. That is the milestone which beckons Virat Kohli. Now, Virat has won a series in Australia. In fact, they have won two series there, remember. But you could say that one, the last one was Arhani was in charge, though it's Virat's team. One in West Indies, one in Sri Lanka, leading in England. I mean, if we, if that series had been played, we would have known whether India would have beaten England in, in, in this year. But if he wins this series, it just adds so much more luster to his record as a captain. I know that there's been so much talk about the captaincy. Even in white ball cricket, frankly, the stats kind of spell out how effective Virat has been in bilateral contests not in ICC tournaments, and that's what has cost him the captaincy. But if Test cricket, he ends up winning the series, this could be a great feather in his cap, you know, and it's like almost for him the, the final frontier that he has to conquer. And India have a chance because South Africa, perhaps at their weakest in the last 20 years, I would imagine, especially in the batting, and that's really their worry because they've got a, big, a very good pace attack. There's Norke, there's... Uh, uh, Shamsi, there's Rabada, there's Pretorius, uh, Maharaj. So they've got pace bowlers and spinners. 
It's in the batting that they suffer or they are, you know, at least on paper. There's no De Villiers. There's no Hashim Amla. There's no Faf Duplessis. There is, a, there, is a, were there. there is a little bit of experience there, isn't there? With Dikok, Van der Dusen, Bahuma, Elgar. And yes, none of these are, you cannot compare any of them with the De Villiers or some of the greats uh, that we've Correct. known from South Africa. Uh, but these are not complete greenhouse. You think they'll be able to hold up? Yeah, so now this is a challenge for India or India's bowlers because remember, if this was a series being played in India, you would say immediately that this is going to be a you know India will steamroll over them because on Indian pitches, spinning tracks, there no there will be no chance. Even the you know guys like Smith and De Villiers and Jack Classicalis and all have struggled on Indian pitches against Indian spinners. But now Quinton Dickock, one years may not play the first test or the first two tests because he's going to become a father soon. That considerably weakens uh, South Africa's batting. They've got experience. I don't know if uh, the, the point I was making is, I, I don't think they've got the class, apart from Decock, the sheer class of batsmen like Hashim Amla and De Villiers. I mean, they were two you know, all-time greats for South Africa. And they are not there. Fact, Duplessis, extremely effective. Maybe in the five-day format, not as great as De Villiers or even Hashim, but extremely effective when it came. He saved, saved a match once, batted for hours and hours and hours. So, uh, this is something that India will have to exploit, you know, uh, put pressure on the South African batting and, of course, withstand the pressure of the South African pace bowlers. Well, that should definitely be a fascinating series and I think India would be very disappointed if they come back without uh, winning the series. A very curious question I've been wondering, is this one of those occasions when India could actually play five seamers or will Arashwin still find a place? In my book, Arashwin should find a place. He's at the, you know, he's at the peak of his prowess and wherever he bowls, he's just been picking up wickets. In the past, you could have said that he struggled in, in overseas conditions, especially in uh, South Africa or Australia or England, but no longer. And I think if you've got four fast bowlers and a spinner, that's that's a splendid, uh, a splendid variety. The only thing that the Indian team misses is the left-arm fast bowler. Mm. So, you know, otherwise they've got... And I, th- I think they'll be tempted to play Dravid and Virat Kohli. They'll be tempted to play Shardul Thakur because he also bats a bit. Right. So you have still two all-rounders, one in Ashwin, the other in Shardul. And you have your full complement of fast bowlers and you have a spinner. But this this means, this means Mr. Fantastic, that somebody like Ajinkya Rane will probably have to miss the first test, certainly, because they, they will play Shreya Sayar. Rishabh Pant is back. Uh, so that's number six for you. If if Pujara plays and uh, Kohli, of course, at number four, then Ashwin, seven, and Chardul, eight, and then your other three fast bowlers. So uh, I, I think that they will still want to stick to the five bowler theory, not reduce it by one and include a batsman because you still need to get 20 wickets to win a match. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Matches start 26th of December and let's hope for an Indian win. Moving on to some other good news from around the world. Kidambi Shrikant has won a silver medal at uh, the World Championships of Badminton. And this is the first time an Indian's made it to the final. Uh, we, in fact, had two Indians face off in the semi-final and that, I think, was a bit of a tragedy. Who knows, maybe we could have had two Indians in the final. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, look, uh, you know, it's just the rub of the draw or the you know, the long way. So you end up facing your own countrymen in the semis. And But look, this is a major achievement because in the last decade, if you see, uh, it's the Indian women badminton players who've been bringing all the accolades. It's Saina Nehwal or PV Sindhu. It's, the men have been lagging behind and this time they burst through, you know, to reach the final. Yeah, you couldn't win the final, Kidambi. 
but is uh, is he, a silver medalist and Lakshya Sen uh, just showed what brilliant talent, what brilliant potential he has. So I think this is a breakthrough tournament where badminton or men's uh, you know men's section in the Indian badminton is concerned. Absolutely. Uh, and what do you think about PV Sindhu? We've spoken about this on multiple occasions on Sports Weekly, but. Uh, she failed at the quarters this time. I mean, I know it's being harsh when you say that Sindhu's failed. She's still amongst the top players uh, around the world. She's only 26, so there's still a long way to go. But do you think she needs a break? She needs like an extended break just to clear her mind? I don't know whether she needs a break or she needs some, you know, some sports psychology intervention because she's amongst the most consistent players we've seen ever since she burst onto the scene. Uh, you know, she's been regularly finishing on the podium in the Olympics, here, there, everywhere. She's been in the knockout stage in most tournaments. This time she lost in the quarters. So for consistency, she's been fantastic. But yet, it's not reaching to the top place on the podium. You know, that is something that I'm sure will be bothering her. Uh, You know, I don't think it's a question of talent. Sometimes it becomes a mental block, which I think she needs to overcome. Well, uh, let's hope she doesn't end up her career as the Ivan Lendl of badminton. (laughs) Yeah, but Ivan Lendl was a multiple Grand Slam winner. You know, it's just. <laughs> well, she's got a few titles yeah, yeah, already, but more misses than hits. Yeah. <laughs> well, from other good news, uh, India is doing very well at the Asian Champions Trophy uh, after hammering Bangladesh and beating Pakistan in a well fought match to some extent. They also lauded over Japan to make the semis, who they again face in the semis. Uh, a, I ask, how important is this tournament to India, or is it just a reinforcement of the Olympic medal? And an India-Pakistan final seems quite likely now. Yeah, I mean, see, the first part of the question is it's very important because while you have won the Olympics, which is great, I mean, not won the Olympics, but you got a medal, you were at a podium place there, it's important that you maintain that momentum, that rhythm, you know, you don't get rusty, you don't sit on your laurels and say, ha-ha, you know, we won the Olympics medal, so now won an Olympic medal, so why bother about this? This is a fairly weak, uh, you know, field in terms of teams. But it's important because you are building up for the Asian Games, for the Commonwealth Games, which are all coming up this next year. And then uh, if you go from tournament to tournament in a, in a winning frame of mind and also actually winning matches, then you are building. it's a four-year cycle till the next Olympics. So you have to be on your toes. You have to be improving on your skills. You have to be... And, you know, winning is a habit. Much like losing also becomes a habit. So if you don't end up winning consistently, you will lose whatever advantage you had of getting a, uh, an Olympic medal uh, in 2020, 2021. Where beating Pakistan or playing Pakistan is always a high point. It's not as tom-tommed as cricket matches between the two countries are, but frankly, it, it, it runs uh, as, on as much passion and adrenaline for the players, where the players are concerned. So this should be a good game. I think that, in my opinion, India now fairly ahead of Pakistan in terms of uh, of skill and fitness, in, in even in hockey. It's, uh, India is a far superior team. So I see India winning the match. But always, in a clash of this sort, nothing can be taken for granted. Well, that's something we'll discuss a little bit more on the next episode, once we've had a look at the finals as well. We'll have a quick look around the world of football. And to do that, here's Samil Arora. Hi, Mr. Fantastic. The Premier League is back again this weekend and unfortunately, COVID was the big talking point as many games were cancelled. The big one being Manchester United versus Brighton. 
Lots of teams have been haunted by COVID, essentially. What's happening is that the Omicron variant of the virus is spreading heavily in the UK. And so Premier League teams have been diagnosed with COVID. A great proportion of them, not just players, but also the working staff behind. And if teams aren't quite prepared to take to the field, if they haven't got enough players ready, they won't quite be able to do so. And that's why United had their big match cancelled. That's why there are a few more other matches that have been postponed. And in this past match week, when we were supposed to have 10 matches, we've only ended up having four before the Boxing Day. A lot of them being postponed. And well, out of the four matches, we saw how many? One, two, three, four, five of the big apparent top six play against each other. And if you are a Manchester City fan, the news looks bright. The day looks sunny. They beat Newcastle 4-0 in what was honestly a drumming, right? After last week, Manchester City are in a complete flow. They are fully in the momentum. They absolutely obliterated Newcastle away at St. James's Park, dominating possession, dominating the play. And well, after beating Leeds United 7-0 the last weekend, they are proving why they are one of the better teams in the Premier League. But to make things a bit more complex for Chelsea, they have dropped points to Everton on Friday. Immediately after that, in their game on Sunday, they also dropped points against Wolves. Both the matches were draws against Everton. Chelsea scored one goal. Everton also scored one. And against Wolves, it was a stalemate. Both very tight matches. And you could see Chelsea missed that extra edge. You could see that they were missing that something special in the attacking front. They were making chances, mind you. But because Lukaku was out with COVID, he wasn't quite able to come up and deliver the goods for Chelsea because naturally he is their main pinpoint star. Having someone like Christian Pulisic play a striker can help out. They eventually did get a goal against Everton, but they needed someone like Lukaku or Timo Werner to score the goals in both their matches. And so Chelsea have dropped points. But what about Liverpool? Against Newcastle on Friday, they were all right. They won an amazing 3-1 well. So Newcastle is having a rough couple of days. But the real talking point is their match against Tottenham, which has to be the match of the week. An amazing 2-2 draw. This was a match full of spirit and full of heart where we saw Liverpool and Tottenham just gunning out against each other in an intensely physical match which saw Andy Robertson get a red card at the end and Harry Kane could also have got one but VAR didn't quite convert his challenge into a red card. And Jurgen Klopp was frustrated. Frustrated because this one didn't end up in a Liverpool win. This ended up as a draw. Another big 2-2 fixture. Harry Kane scoring the first goal for Tottenham. Then eventually Diogo Jota equalising for Liverpool. Followed by another goal by Andy Robertson in the second half before he got sent off. And then Song Yun Min with the equaliser. Towards the end, you could see the physicality. You could see how tense this match was becoming. And Liverpool wanted to win this. They wanted to continue. But naturally, Spurs were in the way. And there is a reason for Jurgen Klopp to be irritated. The refereeing decisions in this match, uh, let's just say they were a bit tricky. They were a bit indecisive towards the end against Liverpool. And I suppose that Harry Kane challenge should have been a red. And Jurgen Klopp has every reason to be frustrated. And eventually, this means that Liverpool are no longer your leaders. Neither are Chelsea. It is Manchester City. And in a remarkable turn of events, they now have a three-point gap over Liverpool. Just suddenly, just in this last week, things have completely turned around. And Chelsea, who were your leaders, are down to P number three with 38 points. 
they have lost six points to Man City. That is huge. Arsenal beat Leeds to continue their decent run of form in the last couple of games after rather a tricky period back there in the middle. But now, they are in P4. West Ham stand fifth. Manchester United sixth because, of course, they haven't quite got the chance to play two games because of COVID. And this fixture list is becoming increasingly complex as we just discussed in the last episode of Sports Weekly. But it's not the injuries. It's COVID that's hampering the flow. It's COVID that's holding everything back. Let's just hope that all the teams are completely all right, that all the players who have got COVID and also the backroom staff are able to recover from it very, very quickly and that we are able to get some proper Premier League action back in full swing. Well, that's all from the Premier League. New leaders, dramatic action. And let's hope that there's more fun stuff to come when we meet you for the football section of Sports Weekly again next week. Thank you so much for that, Samil. Well, it's really difficult times all over Europe given uh, the newest wave of COVID. Let's hope all the players are safe. Football cannot be a priority over the health and wellness of anyone. Uh, Let's hope better sense prevails there. Well, that's it from us for this week. Remember to subscribe to the show wherever you're listening to us. Also, if you like us, please leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify and be sure to tune in every week. Thanks again. Thank you, Mr. Fantastic. See you next week.